If I'm not careful, it lifts me off the floor. Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of Weird Thing About That. The show where me and my fellow players are given a subject matter and have to find the weirdest, coolest or funniest story on that subject. Players' stories will be scored by our head judge and the winner will be revealed at the end of the episode. I'm Chris and joining me today, having just dug his way out of his own concrete grave, Chucky. Yo. And having blown all his money on a bogus online course with moving pencils of your mind, Joe. Shazam. And... Back in the judging seat for a change, it's Chow. Woo-woo! Chow, if you can please have today's subject and how it will be scored, please. Uh, today's subject is music, and you will be awarded. You're playing for the, the winner gets the Charles and Eddie Award, and the loser gets the Jonathan King Award. The person who comes second just gets to go home with some shred of dignity. Um, seeing as it is Joe's inaugural go in the hot seat, and I'm sat here on my pedestal in my very itchy peruki, I would like Joe to go first. For me, music is mankind's greatest achievement. Sure, you might say that the wheel or vaccine or Pop-Tarts are better, but you'd be nothing but a mouldy fool. On paper, music shouldn't work. People banging away on strings, parping through tubes and hitting stuff, but it just does. Add some poetry over the top and you have something that's so powerful that it can invoke near enough every emotion a human can feel. It's genuinely amazing when you think about it. Music can make you happy or horny or any other H-word you like. (laughs) But what about the less fun emotions like sadness? Listening to a sad piece of music can be a tremendously cathartic experience. That's why I exclusively listen to the first Eels album in the bath and practice my (laughs) controlled underwater crying technique. (laughs) But what if there was a piece of music so unbelievably sad that it made you want to end your life like some kind of brown note for the soul? (laughs) I'm of course talking about Vega de Valgnac, or as it's more commonly known, Gloomy Sunday a piece of music that has supposedly claimed the lives of over a hundred people. Rezo Ceres was born in Budapest in 1899, and after an injury put a stop to his dream of being a fucking trapeze artist, he turned his hand to songwriting, penning such hits as Waiter, Bring Me The Bill, and I Love Being Drunk, which automatically (laughs) puts him in contention for our wall of heroes. (laughs) Rezo wrote Gloomy Sunday in Paris in 1932, amid the rising tide of fascism and famine. The lyrics by Laszlo Yavior, dealing with the world ending and a prayer to God for man's forgiveness. The song, written in C minor, which is not the saddest key, but is only two half tones down according to Nigel Tufnell. One publisher refused the song, saying, It is not that the song is sad, there is a sort of terrible, compelling despair about it. I don't think it would do anyone good to hear a song like that, which brings us basically to the crux of the story. The song lyrics, when changed in the most famous recording, are, to me, particularly bleak, dealing with the loss of a loved one and a willingness, nay eagerness, to meet them in the afterlife. In the late 1930s, a spate of suicides were linked to the song, with people allegedly jumping from windows and drowning themselves while holding copies of the record or the sheet music, as if listening to it had driven them mad or it had contained some kind of hidden message that urged them to take their own life. However, like all things, there is very little evidence to suggest this, and the more likely reason is the rise of poverty and famine in the country that had driven people to lose all hope. That didn't stop the BBC from banning the Billie Holiday version, probably because it's incredibly haunting. The really weird thing about this, though, is that Rezo spent his remaining years in relative poverty and obscurity, refusing to travel to America to claim his royalties, which were estimated at about 270,000 in old money. 35 years after penning the song, the composer would take his own life. His parting words on his legacy, I stand in the midst of this deadly success as an accused man. This fatal fame hurts me. 
I cried all the disappointments of my heart into this song, and it seems that others, with feelings like mine, have found their own hurt in it. It's been playing in the background all the way through this. I do hope you're still here. Wow. Um, so, gentlemen, thoughts? Is this the same guy who wrote the Lavender Town music from Pokemon Red? No, no, he was very much dead by then. Uh, jumped out of a window. <laughs> was he holding the sheet music? No, because uh, that didn't kill him. Then after that, he went to hospital where he uh, choked himself to death, which oh, is hard geez. to do, I imagine. Uh, yeah, you just sort of let go of your own throat once you've reached unconsciousness. <laughs> there becomes a tipping point, doesn't there? <laughs> yeah. So wait, so somebody got the song. Was it a radio DJ, do you say? And they decided, oh, it's not going to be a good idea to play this song. The BBC um, was. It was a, it was a publisher. He was trying to publish the sheet music because records publisher. weren't really a thing back then. And See, yeah, the publisher just was like, "This is too sad." Oh, this <laughs> is going to be a, a chucky hot take. But imagine if publishers were like that for people like Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> ah, but they only people. see the pound signs in the eyes there, yeah. don't they? Like some this fucking is too idiot. Shit. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. fucking idiot will buy this. Look at it. Yeah. He used to be a rapping man, but now he's a pop rock man. Look at him. He plays a guitar, sort of, nearly, that's not plugged in. Uh, have you seen he's Fred like if Durst Sid Vicious had guitar. no talent. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-instrumentalist, Sid Vicious. Yeah. Makes Jake, Famous for being a really Jake good bass player. Like yeah. Liam Gallagher, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was uh, um, all the stories I could find of it were like, a cobbler in Budapest and I was like there's no names no evidence of this it's just urban legend of the suicides of the suicides yeah uh, allegedly a girl in a river was holding the sheet music when they found her and I'm like it'd be soggy unless she laminated <laughs> it first <laughs> uh, I mean it was soggy from all the tears again there's, again, there's like it's, it's a really weird thing because the, 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 like, the music itself is incredibly sad and the, the original lyrics are about the rise in fascism and, and like the, the the destruction of you know the, the Western civilizations was, but when the lyrics were changed to the English and they became about basically, I think there's a line. It's like uh, the angels won't bring you back, but do you think they'd be angry if I met you? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is not <laughs> this is not fun, is it? But again, because Billy Holiday's voice is so sort of ethereal yeah. as well. It's is that the sort of definitive most sad version of the song? Or? I've listened to a lot of them today because um, I needed to find an instrumental version to put under the under the, the bed. Yeah. And there is some, I mean, there's some, there's, there was like a, a funkadelic version of it, which was sort of detracted from the sadness by having like a slap bass solo in the middle. And, you know, but I bet there's a really twee version of a white girl on a ukulele as well. Ah, uh, mm. mate, there probably is. I refuse to listen to that though because um, <laughs> it's it's not Christmas and I don't need a version of We Are the Champions sung by a pasty white girl with a ukulele. <laughs> it sounds like a medicinal space solo. Just before you get too sad, I'm gonna perk you up a tiny bit with a bit of nothing is makes you happier than some Bootsy Collins style slap bass. Yeah, that's oh, it. Yeah, you have to end it all and then level forty two kicks and you're like, actually everything's okay. We're yeah. all right. Challenges you to a thumb duel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like the apparent one of the stories is that um, Rezo's girlfriend at the time killed herself upon hearing this, and it's, there's no evidence for this. But again, it just makes for good urban legend. It's... I remember when I was at, when I was at high school, there was a bit of a rumor about everybody hurts by REM having a similar sort of thing. But I think it was just like somebody would put it on repeat and then light some candles, and they were feeling very sad and melancholic. Any melon it's, melancholy? It's a sad song. Um, yeah. So I think it might have just been that anyone who was sad at the time would find 
some solace in that and it would finally uh, you know it would be something that you'd drift off into the onto the but side you of could it. also do that to fucking you know we're going to Ibiza by the Venger boys yeah. I mean that would be more encouragement to kill myself if I was being perfectly yeah. honest <laughs> if that was but, loop, yeah. but I remember hearing about this when I was what, about 15 16 when the, when the internet was still like in its early days and yeah. then my friend downloaded a copy of this song and we're like alright if one of us tries to kill ourselves the other one has to stop us <laughs> and like we just went, and went this is a bit dreary isn't it it needs to like some 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 brass in it, like, some slap bass. Do some slap bass. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. And George Clinton was on the phone, and I was like, "George, it's me, your cousin." You know that new sound you've been looking for. <laughs> and then he just kills himself on the phone. <laughs> oh, we never got Parliament Funkadelic, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's um, I, I mean, go and listen to it. It's a, it's a good. Oh, song, I will. But it's, definitely. It's just, it's this. just dreary. Like it's just have nine nine dialed just in case before you with your finger <laughs> over it. No, it's, it's, it's but it is just think of it's, it's, it's an urban legend, but it's, a, it's a good one because it really does seem like the sort of song that. Could well, that's why it. I dredged up the uh, Lavender Town theme music. It wasn't just a, a non-sequitur. No, I mean, it was like, rumoured to be like a legend that kids j- just off themselves when they'd heard the Lavender, Sound, uh, yeah. Lavender Town theme music but from Pokemon Red. Because um, I did have a huge section that I cut out about like the satanic panic stuff of like Judas Priest uh, with the backwards mm-hmm. masking and uh, all that. And I'm like, yeah. Rob Halford said, it why would we ask our fans to kill themselves if they buy records? And I'm like, he's yeah. got a point. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, let's try someone else. Uh, Chucky, please. All right. Music is kind of like the chicken nuggets of interests. For some people, it's the be all and end all, and for others, it's all right. So, with music being so universal, then, it shouldn't be a massive shock that as a species, we go out of our way to celebrate it. Creating festivals where thousands upon thousands of people can see their favorite bands and have a fucking ace time. And I think this is when I'd like to steer the topic to a fairly noteworthy piece of history. If you've ever been to a festival, you'll know that hygiene is an essential you may have to go without over the course of multiple days, with showers being a luxury. But no matter how good you are at soap dodging, there's one universal act you can't escape. At some point, you're going to have to poop. Charlotte Taylor is a festival goer who knows all too well about the necessity to make bears. Charlotte, in 2009, attended Leeds Festival and although she likely thought it was going to be a life-changing experience, she probably wouldn't have guessed how that was going to be the case. During her time at the festival, Charlotte would experience an ordeal some would later go on to describe as a fate worse than death. When Charlotte went to a portaloo to make some room for lunch, she would make a mistake that would later immortalise her as a legend. When she was done liberating a brown trout, at least allegedly, she managed to accidentally drop her handbag down the toilet. In this situation, you would genuinely consider writing it off as a loss, a life lesson, a funny story you might tell your friends about that time you were punishing the porcelain and accidentally dropped your handbag down the toilet. You know, usual mad pants. However, Charlotte couldn't do this, or at least she decided that she couldn't, because the bag had all her money in it, her phone and her tickets home. She made a choice no one would take lightly, and started Andy Dufresne in it, Shawshank style. Charlotte was timid at first, only popping one arm down the toilet, but this wasn't quite enough, so she decided to go full Mario Burroughs and went in with two arms. At this point, Charlotte knew she had fucked up. She was stuck, and despite her friends trying to help her, they could not pull her out. She was like some kind of mythical sword wedged in some stone. Except it wasn't stone, it was a toilet, 
And I bet she wasn't feeling very sharp either. <laughs> when rescue workers turned up, it took them 20 agonizing minutes to finally dismantle the loo to break her out. Charlotte was safe, despite some bruising, and would go on to enjoy the rest of the festival, albeit with severe anxiety of being labelled as some kind of poo girl. And some kind of poo girl she had become. It even became possible to purchase poo girl hoodies shortly after her toilet diving incident became public knowledge. That's the kind of infamy she was facing. Merch levels of infamy. So, I think the next time you decide to go to a festival to listen to some of your favourite music, make sure you leave your valuables in a non-toilet accessible place. Otherwise, you're in the risk of immortalising yourself as some kind of poo person. <laughs> Gentlemen, your thoughts, please. Like a disgusting Winnie the Pooh. Like a Winnie <laughs> the Pooh! <laughs> I do like, I've never heard the euphemism to make bears before. Definitely, <laughs> being added, definitely being added to my lexicon, that. I like it. Um, well... Oh, to release a brown trout, was it? Release a brown trout is another one, yeah. <laughs> I noticed that you're trout. kind of. Like, was it? Did you do the one about the lady throwing the poo next to the window? As well? No, no, that was, that was oh, me. Right. <laughs> I was like, we found our, 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 our level, haven't we? <laughs> right yeah, exactly, Ladies yeah. and poop. We'll be like a tub girl but next. I, I feel like I owe it to Charlotte to say, I'm not entirely certain what she was doing in the toilet. I, I just kind of took the liberties to say she was dropping a mad turd, but she might have just been having a little tinkle. <laughs> she could have got it to wash her hands. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know whether they have toilets in the portaloos because I just don't use. I hold on. I eat like four eggs the day before I go to festivals, so I don't have to go all the time. I'm there. <laughs> the top tip: you can have that. When was this? Two thousand and nine. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking, like, I think if I drop my phone, because I was thinking about this, if I drop my phone into the toilet in two thousand and nine, I'd be like, Meh, I need a new phone. Whereas now, absolutely everything is on my, you know, on my online banking, my, you know. Um, Fair, all the tickets and her money would have been on it. Well, yeah, well, there was the bag as well, wasn't it? So it's the, I think dropping just my phone is the equivalent. Like now, dropping my phone into the car, it, it, dropping my phone would be the equivalent of dropping my keys, my phone, my wallet. It is everything. And yeah. I, I, I was sat there thinking, if I, you know, we have a, in fact, I've, you know, when you have those intrusive thoughts, we have a compostable toilet on the allotment site where uh, where I have an, where I have a plot, and I have I, I have thought if I dropped my phone into this compostable toilet, what would I do? And I think I did think that I would actually end up reenacting that scene from Schindler's List with the little Jewish kids in the toilet. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would actually. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> I think I would actually go back in there and have to fish it out, man, because it's just there is everything on there. Man. It's a. Oh. Um, I'm fairly sure Bob Mortimer has told the story. Uh, when they went to France for the World Cup and their toilet was just a hole in the ground with a plank over it. And I think he was called like Alan the Drink or something was the van driver. Went out, dropped his trousers, keys fell in. And like one lad had to volunteer to go in and wade through this two weeks worth of shite that was in there to get the keys back. And then they sprayed him down with a a cold hose. Apparently he's got lovely legs now. So I don't know whether that means anything, but yeah. Really thick leg hairs. Thank yeah. you the fur- <laughs> like- no, smooth. Um, permanently. I just choked them off. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, my, everyone chipped in and were like 20 quid in a pot before, mate. Oh. My old boss had a very similar sort of thing happen uh, to one of his friends. He says one of his friends, it could have been him, uh, using one of those toilets, <laughs> keys fell out the back pocket, and in the middle of nowhere in France, you know how they have like the open air areas on the motorways, and mm-hmm. it was like three in the morning, so he had to go um, elbow deep to train. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you think? So, like- well, this is this is a kind of lucky thing. I was thinking that at least she was at a festival with plenty of people there to help. Because if she did this in the middle of the wilderness, 
and yeah. she fell in like that. She could, that I could have know, been how she died. Which six to one and a half a dozen of the really other though, isn't it? Way to go. Because like, if you were just on your own, it wouldn't be so bad if you got duck. Like, well, I don't know where they're getting stuck, but like, like, if you couldn't get out, but yeah, if you got yeah, but like, if you like got sealed. it out and you were just covered in shit, that's fine because there's no one around. But at a festival, you go out and you're covered with shit. Everyone sees you covered in no, shit. So, yeah. yeah, but so, she couldn't get out. She had to get people to pull. That's her what out. I'm saying. Would you rather die in poo or be immortalized on a hoodie? I mean, this fucking that's, that's Sophie's choice, that isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> she, she never actually made contact with poo. I'm choosing to believe she was ankles deep in it. <laughs> she so she went in. She couldn't quite reach. Once she got out, she was hosed down. By, Had to give her a snorkel. She was in there that long. <laughs> oh. And it's not like anyway. Like festival toilets are nasty. You go in there, you smell of shit afterwards because like. Yeah. People uh, don't know I'm, the four egg rule. I, I saw a photo <laughs> of <laughs> a rule now. It's going to become a lawsuit. Uh, somebody put a phone down the toilet and took like a flash photo. Oh. You see like a, a fucking... Do you look like, 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 a, like one a of Neptune's moons? <laughs> yeah, just like a... dangly bollocks knocking about everywhere. Oh, Christ. Uh, <laughs> I, I would right. I'm, I'm the I'm, worst one. When I I'm am. when I'm in charge of everything, I'm gonna every open toilet thing has had to have a magnet on a fishing pole, like a standard, so that no one gets trapped in toilets again, and you can just like do some little little brown trout fishing. Fiftieth <laughs> episode, everyone. <laughs> we're, hitting, we're hitting all the classic beats: suicide and poo. So far. <laughs> Oh, you're going to have to save us, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly wish I could, but this next story has at least one of those things. In it. Oh, Christ, I hope it's poo. <laughs> okay. Um, Chris, Super I think sad. I may be asking Bucking a little bit poo. of a... This might be a futile question, but could you please try and raise the tone a little bit? One of the biggest tragedies about music mainly listened to on digital streaming service, aside from the fact that the artists are criminally underpaid, is that album cover artwork has now been reduced down from large-scale pictures, such as on 12-inch vinyl records and CDs, to mere thumbnail-sized digital images viewed on a small phone screen. Album artwork was often as much as part of the art form as the music itself, and the hours of effort by artists and photographers that used to be studied extensively by me on my bedroom floor as a teenager is now just glossed over in a few seconds on a small resolution. For the most part, this does seem a real shame to me, but it did get me thinking. Not every artist hit the mark when it came to album covers, with some artworks better left to a 300 by 300 pixel thumbnail or maybe just put in the bin altogether. There's one particularly controversial album cover that stands out to me when thinking of bad album artworks, and that is Dawn of the Black Hearts by Norwegian death metal band Mayhem. Now, Mayhem were a bit fucking wild to say the least, but most noticeably, the actions of lead singer with the stage name of Dead and guitarist stage named Euronymous. Now, Dead was an odd fellow, with most people saying they could not have a full conversation with him as he barely spoke, and when he did speak, it was usually about his obsession with death. He had a homemade spear in which he used to try, but thankfully fail, to kill the local stray cats. During his first stage show, and many shows after, he sliced his arms open and bled all over the crowd, alongside throwing pig's heads and rotten meat at them. So, yeah, he was a bit of a fucking lunatic on stage. His home life with his bandmates was no better, and it was reported by bassist Necro Butcher that he sat in his room writing letters, becoming more and more depressed. He also had constant fights with the aforementioned guitarist Euronymous. Once because Euronymous kept blaring synth music, so Dead went outside into the woods to sleep, but Euronymous followed him outside and started firing his shotgun in the air. This all came to a head in April of 1991, when Dead committed suicide in his house. 
first by slashing his arms open, then taking the shotgun to his head at point-blank range and pulling the trigger. But not before leaving a suicide note, expressing, expressing his wish for the band to use the image of his suicide as an album cover. His body was found by Euronymous, who, when discovering the body, read the note, picked up Dead's brain and moved it next to his head so that it would look better, then took the photo. He also collected small pieces of his, of his exploded skull to make necklaces with them, before finally calling the police to the scene. The infamous photo, as per Dead's request, was used as the cover for a live album, and the image you see when you do a search for Dawn of the Black Hearts is very much a real photo of his dead body. Necro Butcher, after being disgusted by Euronymous' actions, left the band and was replaced by Varg Vikanus, who later murdered Euronymous, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Come to think of it, perhaps some album covers are best not viewed as large pictures after all. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that didn't raise the tone at all. No. <laughs> it just dug at the bottom of that barrel. Got through the bedrock, and here we are. Christ. Yeah. Well, yeah. Norwegian black metal is uh, a, a, a sketchy place to hang around at the best of times, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. they have the most most death metal bands per capita, right, more than any other country by a, by a good margin. And yep. uh, the 90s, they went through a whole thing of like burning churches and like old, old like Viking churches mm. and stuff because it was who could be the most edgy and cool. And yeah. <sighs> You, I, I'm fairly sure Euronymous like lived off his parents' money. He was a trust fund kid, right? Yeah. And at least Dead was like lived it. Like he would bury his clothes so that he smelled of death on stage. True facts, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, there was loads that I've left out of that. that yeah, he, he was, he was whole, a batshit yeah. lad. Yeah, he was not right in the noggin, but. No, yeah. no, it was the guy who's scooping up his brain to put it next to his face. Ah, but it was all about edgy, spooky coolness, wasn't it? It was all about. It, uh, I mean, he got what was coming to him anyway, and then um, yeah, he got murdered by another band member. So yeah, who then turned into a big Nazi, and you know the whole that, that's that's what happens. You see, Nazis come along and ruin everything. Ruin everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything it was, was all going really well. It was you know yeah. bit of church burning. Uh, you know, everyone's got a necklace made of skull, actual skull. You know, fun stuff like that, and then. Mm. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just glad uh, Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic didn't get any ideas from these guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, the, uh, it is a gross picture as well, like because the first thing, yeah. you know, at, at 15, 16, when I found out about this, you got to look it up, aren't you? It's like Rey yeah. Mysterio without his mask on. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it, it is just a dead body. It, it, you know, I saw you saw you see worse on Rotten.com back in the day, but. Yeah, but this is it. Like Google images are now pretty heavily censored. You can't really just search for a lot of pictures of like gruesome dead bodies like that. But the album cover is still very much just on display, full frontal to yep. see, to see. It. And it is a real dead body, like just blown to pieces. I was and very it, surprised that it's not in any way censored. Not, it's not got a black sticker over it. And out now. No. Was, did the family not raise any sort of legal or moral objections? Yes. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> um, it's but they were like, well, uh, in his note, I guess it, the, the really sad part is it was a fucking lie. Album. It wasn't even a good <laughs> studio <laughs> album. Like, imagine <laughs> taking your own life for it to be, yeah, for, for a, a fucking EP. Yeah, <laughs> a live EP. The remixes by it was, it was Although that was, I think, I think that, that was the only album. album. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the only album that he was ever actually on. He yes. wasn't actually featured on any studio albums. No, because he was dead by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was dead already. If you get what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? It's like calling yourself sausage. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of depressed now. I thought mine was at least mine had like funny bits in. That was just fucking bleak Norwegian winters and murder suicides. I was the shit in the shit sandwich. I mean, <laughs> Joe, if we can please have today's scores. Uh, yeah, uh, this week's winner is going to be. I'm going to go with, with Chucky. You are the receiver of the um, Charles and Eddie Award. So congratulations. Ooh. Does this mean I get the uh, Jonathan King award? You get the Jonathan King award, Chris. Yes, thank you very much for that. Well done. And knock on your door later. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which door? Hide your wife. Especially hide your kids. (laughs) Well, there we have it. That's 50 episodes. That's 150 stories of weird and wonderful bollocks you've sat through. So thanks a lot for listening. It really does mean a lot. Um, So I don't usually do this, but uh, just indulge me for 30 seconds. while A quick shout out to people who've guessed on the show so far. We've had uh, Randall from Randall Parker's Film Club. Quancy from 100 Things We Learned From Film, Dean from The F King Show, Jen from What I Had Heard Was, uh, our fantastic friends Bernie from Hallmark of Greatness and Ellis from Damn It Vince, and most recently we've had Aaron from Z1. So thanks to all those for coming on and taking the time to share your stories and judge us. Um, thanks to my usual fellow players who bring in the best weird and wonderful stories every week. And finally, very big thanks to Joe, who does about 50 podcasts already, but still takes the time and effort to record and produce the show for us, on top of being one of the most funny and effortless, well, one of the most effortlessly funny people I know. Uh, it's his birthday the day after this episode releases, so make sure to invade Hallmark, Twi- uh, Hallmark of Greatness's Twitter page and send him some birthday wishes. And you can follow us on Twitter at WeirdThingPod, so come and say hello. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Weird thing about that. coming upstairs why is he coming upstairs there's a toilet downstairs what's he doing oh